0: I'm so...
1: to the Brazilian Beat. This is episode number 68. Join us as we get to know the Brazilian percussion and music making community one interview at a time. This is Courtney.
2: This is Diana. And
1: this is Sylvia. Yay! You're the third person on our team. <laughs> Thanks for coming on sylvia thank you for always translating for us you are have such a gift for that i really admire your uh, portuguese skills thank you so much
3: oh thank you i love doing it i love to talk to all of you, the musicians that you guys have on this awesome podcast so i'm really happy to be a part of it
2: yeah it's been nice recently we've had you'll you'll find out soon um some upcoming guests that uh That speak Portuguese, so uh, this is our choice for translator, and she knows all the ins and outs and all the terminology, so it makes it so much easier.
1: That's right. That's right. This episode is sponsored by GoSamba.net. Do you need a Shokayu? That's timely. (laughs) This episode. Uh, Yeah, we've got different colors of Shokayu, the wooden ones like they use in Samba schools. Check it out at GoSamba.net. You know what I want to get is one of those little wooden—I uh,
2: don't even know what they're called—those little wooden coconut shell things.
1: Oh yeah, uh, Brazil nut agogo.
2: <laughs> That's <laughs> not the technical term, but
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. I, I need to—I need to contact Go Samba and, and see <laughs> what they have in stock. They are really friendly people with great customer service. <laughs>
3: I, need, I actually do need a hippie gi. One of my pledges in the quarantine was to learn how to play at least a rudimentary hippie key.
1: Oh, nice. Oh, sweet. Yes. Awesome. That's Maybe fun. you'll get a
2: friend's discount. Maybe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's such a rabbit hole. Be prepared. I feel like every Brazilian instrument is like such a rabbit hole to dive down. Yeah, you'll get sucked in. Yes, for sure.
2: Um, I just wanted to say... Um, As we're recording this, the world's kind of going crazy, Um, we're living in some strange times and we just wanted to acknowledge, um, we just wanted to acknowledge it.
1: Yeah, what's happening, we can't necessarily do this without talking about it, I don't think, I mean, in Portland where Diana and I are at and in Chicago where, where Sylvia is at right now as we speak there are protests happening and and conflicts and the national guard has come out and curfews are out there yes
3: yeah and i think it's important for us to acknowledge that it's happening um not only because you know at least like speaking for myself i feel you know i don't have I i shouldn't have the space to talk about it because i'm not black but i support the black lives matter movement especially mm-hmm. since a lot of the people that we talk to and a lot of the teachers mm-hmm. that we learn from are black and so i think it's really important for us to acknowledge that this is a just and worthy cause and mm-hmm. and hopefully we'll see some major changes coming out of it
2: and oh. vote we have to vote Oh my everyone has to vote
1: register to vote and it's gonna be harder this year to vote just because it's all you know mail in ballots just vote early right yep you know i know biden's not our top pick but boy yeah hold your nose and vote for him anyway (laughs) (laughs) and
3: we have to vote for other offices too not just president yes right right. everything that you can yeah local i mean the the local judges that are running you should try and inform yourself about what they stand for um you know nobody's gonna teach us we have to go out and get that information and thankfully we have you know the tools to to learn about what platforms are and there's no
1: excuse Mm -hmm. for being uninformed right now yeah there's a lot of good websites out there to inform yourself yeah Yeah. and like the school board elections are super important and city council is super important and The judges, as you mentioned, yeah. Yeah, just vote. and Learn learn about these things and vote.
2: First off, make sure that you're registered to vote. Please register if you're not already. Um, And we say this too, knowing that Brazil is going through a crazy time as well and kind of mirroring a lot of what is happening here. Um, And I mentioned this to the ladies earlier that I don't really... I'm not into the Brazilian politics, but I, I I read things, and I just want to support all our friends and, you know, associations, um, mm-hmm. because it's so
0: important.
1: Yeah. yeah. Check in with your teachers. Check in with your group members. Take mm-hmm. care of each other. We, we need to, uh, this is a time to come together and not necessarily be divided, you know, we we need to come together and support each other.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And especially that we, you know, even if we don't follow Brazilian politics and I also like you, Diana, read about what's going on down there. But, you know, I always go back to the quote that, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. said that injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And so if there is fascism in Brazil, um, then that's a threat to our democracy, too. So Mm -hmm. we have to be informed.
1: Okay, well, on that note, um, moving on, one way you can support um, our teachers in Brazil is to take lessons from them. Many of them are teaching lessons online. Junior Cepaio, Dudu Fuentes, Ailton Nunes, Pitoku, um, Douglas Georgi, um, they are all teaching lessons online. They are all really good teachers, so if you can support them. There's more information about that on our resources page on uh, thebrazilianbeat.com. So go check that out.
2: Also, I wanted to mention, um, we mentioned Pitoco doing lessons, but he's also doing a series of talks with um, Maracatu leaders in his his, uh, city. And they're just talking about all kinds of issues. And I mean, Maracatu came out of resistance. So uh, this is like the perfect time to to hear what it's all about
0: hmm.
2: so um i'll i've posted um one link i'll post i'll post the link to the most recent um episode they're doing them weekly via zoom um and just look for the facebook invite whoa <laughs>
3: is that bruna bruna supports that Yes, yeah, she liked that <laughs> yeah. comment
2: like that comment.
0: (laughs) cute
1: so who do we have today on the podcast
3: today we have percussionist francisco machado um he is currently the a musician and musical director of several carnival blocos in rio and he is actually a player in some samba schools namely académicos do sossego Unidos um, da Vila Isabel and Academicos do Grande Rio. He began his training at nine years old after his mom enrolled him in some musical social projects for low income people, in uh, low income young people in Rio. And his main instrument is the ganza, which you probably might know it as the shaker, and it's an Afro indigenous rattle widely used in samba and other Brazilian rhythms. Um, he is also the inventor and producer of the Ganzanza, um, his proprietary percussion instrument that he makes and sells through his company, Chico Chocalho. Uh, and he's also a percussion teacher through his own private classes and through the store in Laranjeiras, uh, in Rio, Maracatu, Brazil.
2: So, Francisco, I started, you know, I watch all kinds of people online on Facebook and different Instagram, and he just caught my eye because he's just such a great player on the, the ganza, and, um, he is such a sweet guy, you know, I got into communication with him, and, uh, I think it was the last time that Courtney was down there, she was able to take a class with him, I was like, Courtney, take his class, it's on Saturday, <laughs> um, so we've had this connection with him. We've wanted to interview him for quite a while, and we finally had it happen. Uh, we're all at home, so uh, I'm so glad we had this opportunity because he has such a great outlook on life, and he's such a sweetheart. So we hope yeah. you like this episode.
3: I And I think this episode, I have to say, to plug the episode, I think everybody has to listen to it till the end because this is, I think, the first episode or first translation that I've done from one of your podcasts that I actually had to do the you know, write down the translation through through tears and I couldn't see what I was writing because his story is so compelling. His story is just so compelling. So really, really good episode.
1: Such a nice person. So yeah excited to share his story also i wanted to mention that um at the end his audio cut off about three minutes early before the end of the interview so you're going to hear sylvia asking a question and then answering herself (laughs) (laughs) that's what's happening we told i talked to francisco or i messaged him about it and he's fine with it he trusts us to you know do the right thing and so just for the last couple questions and comments uh that's that's happening so that's what's going on. Enjoy. Diana how are you doing tonight? Hey Courtney I'm fine how are you? I'm doing really really well I'm super excited. I know this is going to be a fun one. Uh, We have a couple of guests for this one. That's right that's right. We've got Sylvia Manrique from Chicago is here, our amazing translator. Thank you so much for being here, Sylvia. Hello. And we have a super special guest. First time we're trying this four-way call to Brazil <laughs> with Francisco Machado. Thank you so much for coming on, Bem-vindo. Francisco. Bem-vindo. Bem-vindo.
4: Oi. <laughs> Olá, tudo bom, gente?
1: Tudo bom.
4: Much of it, for the opportunity. I'm this is. He says
3: thank you and he's really happy um to be here, me too. So let's get let's get going. Let's get to the question.
1: <laughs> Please tell us about yourself. Where did you grow up in Brazil? Tell us about Francisco. Uh, Francisco, conta pra gente um
3: pouco sobre você, uh, de onde você é, onde você cresceu, nasceu, etc.
4: Beleza. <risos> Bom, é, minha família toda, ela é do estado de Minas Gerais, aqui no Brasil, é, de Minas, e eles trabalhavam na fazenda, é, no plantio na na década de cinquenta, né, uma família negra trabalhava na fazenda de café de hmm. Minas Gerais.
3: E o nome era, o nome do lugar é?
4: Manga. Você fala? Manga. Uh, is Manga in Minas Gerais.
3: Uh, so his family is actually from Minas, uh, Minas Gerais, the state in Brazil, and um, his family. Uh, actually worked on the farms in in an area called Manga, where they worked on the coffee on the coffee fleet fields. Um, so he's actually from Minas.
4: Yes, eles eram descendentes de escravos, né? Eles ainda, apesar de ter acabado o período da escravidão, eles ainda sentiam muito, né? ainda eh Jeff Lexus que a escravidão deixou aqui no Brasil.
3: Ah, tá. So his um he's from a a family that um are descendants of slaves, so despite the fact that slavery had ended, um they still remained in that place and still felt the effects um and so that's the reason that they still worked in the in the coffee uh fields, coffee plantations.
1: That coffee plantation was where they had been enslaved before.
3: É, Francisco, o, onde eles trabalhavam era o mesmo lugar onde eles, uh, os, uh, a família passada f- eram escravos.
4: Sim, mas aí a minha mãe é, era uma família muito grande, né? E a minha mãe que era a, a última filha, digamos assim, a mais caçuda, a sétima filha Ela decidiu sair dali porque estava um, uma coisa muito ruim uhum. Ela não gostava, então ela falou, ah, vou sair, vou fugir e vou pro Rio de Janeiro Então basicamente ela fez isso, ela juntou as coisas dela e fugiu dali e pegou um ônibus e veio pro Rio de Janeiro
3: Uau so uh so yeah actually he his mom was the youngest of seven kids and so since she was the youngest um she sort of looked around and said this is not you know this is not a great situation and she got she got on a bus and went and moved to rio de janeiro whoa what year (laughs) in kiano elas
4: Ela veio para o Rio, ela tinha uns 15 anos. Ela era bem, bem, bem novinha. Então foi 1965,
3: 1970. 65, 70, eu não sei exatamente. Ele disse que sixty entre 1965 e 1970. Ele não está muito but mas ela era muito jovem. Ela only apenas 15.
4: Well. Bom, quando ela chegou aqui no Rio, Deu tudo errado. Ela pensava que ia ser tudo muito melhor e mais fácil. E de certa forma, era, né? O Rio de Janeiro já era uma uma cidade, uma potência, né? Mas enfim, era tudo um pouquinho mais difícil. Mas ela foi aos poucos trabalhando, começou a trabalhar no mercado. E até que ela conheceu meu pai no mercado. Ela ela
3: conheceu seu pai no mercado?
4: Yes, my trabalhando lá no mercado de segurança. Ah,
3: que
0: legal. E eles
4: se conheceram quando ela, primeiro So she arrived in Rio and she was, you know, she, I think he said that she she probably
3: thought it was going to be easier and to a certain extent it was easier just because Rio was a bigger city um, so that there were obviously more opportunities but it was still pretty hard um, and she ended up working in a market um, where she met his dad who was uh, she was working as a cashier and he was working as a security guard and he was from Rio um, so that's how his parents met
4: well and then they to they E de and after a long time, they had my first son, who was my sister, the older Flavia, and then my brother, and I came for the last one, the caçula. I think that's it.
3: So he, uh, they got married, and then they had, um, and had three kids, his sister, um, and then another, uh, another one of his siblings, and then he is the youngest.
4: É, eu, eu tô tentando resumir bastante a história, porque aconteceram um, um milhão de aventuras, né? Ela. Quando ela teve os dois primeiros filhos, ela chegou a voltar para Minas Gerais. E lá em Minas Gerais ela teve ainda um, voltou, voltou para encontrar com a família. A família já estava numa situação melhor, já não, não trabalhava mais na fazenda de café, já tinha um lugar próprio para morar. Só que lá também teve problema Ela teve um terceiro filho Ela perdeu o terceiro filho Depois voltou para o Rio de Janeiro E aí eu nasci aqui no Rio de Janeiro Então, nesse meio tempo né, Ela teve dois filhos, voltou para Minas Deu problema lá E ela voltou, decidiu voltar para o Rio de Janeiro E eu nasci Assim que, eu cheguei, assim que ela voltou para o Rio de Janeiro né, Eu nasci aqui no Rio de Janeiro
3: Tá so she um, actually, he, he says he's trying to be brief about the story, but he says that there's a ton of adventures that he can talk about. Um, one of which is that, you know, that he, his, his mom actually left Rio after she had her, the second, um, his uh, second sibling and went back to Minas. And at that point they were um, in a better situation, not in the fazenda anymore, in the, in the, in the coffee plantation anymore. They had their own place to live, and um, mm. but she ended up having a third child that she lost, and so that sort of was an uh, impetus for her going back to Rio, and then uh, when where where he was born.
4: Eu sei que eu tô fazendo talvez uma introdução um pouco diferente e grande, não sei mas é que eu faço muita questão de contar um pouco da história de quem veio antes de mim, meus avós e um pouco da história da minha mãe porque ela define muito a trajetória que eu segui depois e, enfim é, eu sempre faço questão de contar um pouco a história da minha família acho que contar minha própria história ajuda muito importante
3: que legal eu acho muito muito legal so he's saying that he's probably giving an introduction um that's very different than than other maybe other musicians maybe but he says that it's really it's really important for him um to talk about his ancestors and the people that came before him because um to a large extent his trajectory and and his career is was marked by um by his mom and and sort of the role they had in in raising him so he he's really, def- you know, his parents defined, defined who he is, and so he really makes it a point to talk about them and and make sure that people know their story, too.
1: It's perfect. That's yeah. the kind of thing we want to know. That's why we ask that question. Yeah, in we case appreciate people that. People have that, yeah.
0: É,
3: é, a gente tá, ela está falando que também é, é muito importante para gente passar isso para a audiência, né, para eles também, também ter um pouco de De inform- essa informação para eles terem também muito importante.
4: Obrigada. Eu pensei assim: caramba, será que tô falando demais? Não, sei. não.
0: <risos>
3: essa é a sua entrevista. Você pode falar, é, nós não? Falar não, não essa
1: parte. <risos> <risos> nós normalmente falamos essa parte. por favor, tell us all your stories. Pode falar o que você quiser, todas as histórias que você queira
3: passar para gente.
4: Perfeito. Bom. É, então depois de toda essa aventura e minha mãe chegou aqui no Rio de Janeiro eu nasci em 1990 é, e minha mãe ela veio para o Rio é, porque ela queria muito que eu nascesse aqui uma coisa que ela colocou na cabeça e ela só que a viagem foi um pouco complicada na época e ela fez uma promessa, que se eu nascesse aqui no Rio de Janeiro, com saúde, que ela colocaria o nome de Francisco em homenagem ao Rio São Francisco, que é um rio muito famoso que tem lá em Minas Gerais e aqui no Brasil, se eu não me engano, é um dos maiores rios que existem no mundo. E ela tinha uma conexão, porque ela lavava roupa no rio, enfim. Então, ela fez essa promessa. Hum. Ela tinha uma uma espécie de fé, né, no rio, assim, no Rio São Francisco, e ela fez essa promessa que se ela conseguisse fazer viagem, chegar aqui no Rio e eu nascesse com saúde, que ela colocaria o nome de Francisco.
3: Ai, que legal. So he says that she came back to Rio, um, he was born in um, 1990 and um, a a, a... Apparently, the trip from Minas back to Rio was pretty harrowing. And so she was really worried about, uh, you know, because she was pregnant with him. And so she was worried about his health and and just the uh, the trip being so difficult that she made a promise that if he was born healthy in Rio, um, because it was one of her, you know, that was something that she wanted was for him to be born in Rio, um, that she would name him Francisco after the St. Saint, Saint Francisco River, which is apparently one of the biggest rivers. Um, it's in Minas, but it's one of the biggest rivers in the world. Um, she had a connection with the river. Um, she used to wash clothes there, and so she had some kind of faith that if she made this promise um, to name him Francisco, that all would go well, and, and it did.
1: That's beautiful.
4: Well, she came to Rio com uma latinha... Ela veio o Rio, né? Com a promessa de ficar na casa de uma amiga que ela trabalhou no mercado.
3: Aham. Sushi, é... ela, ela chegou sozinha? Ela já não estava mais com seu pai?
4: Não, estava com meu pai ainda. Família toda. É, é, meus dois irmãos, meu pai e eu recém-nascido. E ela ficaria na casa de uma amiga que ela tinha trabalhado no mercado na, na primeira vez que ela veio no Rio. Ah,
3: tá. Uh, so at that point she came back to Rio and the whole family was was together, and she w- she went back she was. Um,
4: é, st- mas essa amiga dela tinha falecido, então a gente ficou sem lugar para ficar. E ah tá. Né? E Nossa. a gente a gente ficou um tempo em abrigos. E também morando na rua por um tempo, porque os abrigos naquela época estavam muito violentos e minha mãe achava mais seguro a gente ficar na rua do que nos abrigos. Então a gente ficava indo nos abrigos, comia, tomava um banho e depois voltava para a rua sem ter lugar para ficar e sem conseguir voltar para Minas Gerais também.
3: Uau! so uh the so when she came back to rio they were staying with a friend of the families that uh, had been a friend of his mom's that um that she had known from the market from her time at working at the market and um so the whole family was staying with her and suddenly um this friend passes away and kind of leaves them without anywhere to go and so for a while they were um, they didn't have a home, and so they were sort of left to stay at shelters, um, at homeless shelters, and at the time they were pretty violent, and so his mom or his family decided that it was better for them to sort of stay away from the shelters and just actually be living on the street. So they would uh, do as much as they could at the shelters, like bathe and that kind of thing, uh, but they would return to the street just because of the violence that was going on in the shelters.
1: Wow.
4: bom e aí um, ela estava andando no bairro de Santa Teresa que é um bairro bem famoso aqui no, no Rio de Janeiro que tem aquele bondinho amarelo
0: uhum. <risos> e bom
4: ela estava tava andando por lá com toda a família né a gente andando e tal e uma pessoa viu a gente assim andando meio sem rumo né então decidiu ajudar a gente so
3: one day the family was walking in Santa Teresa, uh, which is a really famous um, neighborhood in Rio, it's the one that is known for having the cable, the yellow cable car that goes over the Arcos de Lapo, I'm sure everybody has seen it um, but uh, they were walking in Santa Teresa and they you know clearly were walking sort of aimlessly and, and this man noticed them and he offered to help them and so he um, set them up in this in a small house that he had and told them that he that they could stay there until they found a better situation and a place to live
0: wow
4: boom E aí, apesar de toda a humildade, é, eu sempre lembro com muito carinho dessa época, assim, era tudo muito simples, mas era nossa casa, né, a gente tinha uma casa para ficar, então as memórias que eu tenho são muito bonitas, assim, minha família toda uhum. lida, então apesar da casinha ser muito humilde, enfim, é, faltava muitas coisas, mas acho que tinha morro de sobra, assim, então isso fez I com que a gente a gente bonita nessa casinha lá em Santa Teresa So uh so he's saying that
3: you know that he has very humble beginnings and it was a very humble house and you know he said that there was you know, there was, uh, they needed things, right? There were things that were missing, but the one thing that was not missing was that they had, that a lot of was, was love. And so he remembers his, that, that time with his family, very, being very united. Um, And so he has a lot of, um, he, he only thinks good things about that time because um, you know, his his childhood was really filled with you know these rich, beautiful memories, despite the fact that they had passed sort of these um, really difficult times.
0: Wow.
4: It's uh, a beautiful
1: story. I know. <laughs> jeez.
4: Bom. Bom. Um, a minha mãe, elas, ela colocou na cabeça que eu, eu tinha que fazer atividades. Para eu não ter acesso a, a tráfico de drogas, essas coisas, porque ali onde a gente morava era tudo muito acessível. Então, para que eu não fosse pro lado ruim da força, digamos assim, ela sempre, através de projetos sociais, enfim, é, ela sempre me colocava para fazer alguma coisa. Então, é, me colocou um projeto social para jogar futebol, me colocou um projeto social para fazer aula de pintura, me colocou para fazer aula de costura. <risos> Qualquer coisa que tinha acontecendo, ela me colocava para fazer. E aí, uma das, um dos últimos projetos sociais que eu fiz, enfim, fiz teatro, fiz um monte de coisa, mas um dos últimos projetos sociais que ela me colocou para fazer foi aula de violão. Então, é, minto, foi é, a flauta e violão. Então, primeiro instrumento musical assim que eu toquei mesmo foi flauta, hum. e em seguida violão, através de um projeto social. I foi it importante important. ideia dela, acho que deu muito certo, porque eu consegui trilhar um outro caminho, através da arte, é, que não fosse de violência, de tráfico, enfim, tudo isso de ruim que tinha ali próximo da onde a gente morava.
3: So, um, so he's saying that um, you know, in that area, um, there was a lot of uh, where he where this house was and where he lived, there was a lot of drug trafficking and violence, and so his mom's effort um, to sort of make sure that they, that he didn't go the wrong way or on down the wrong path was to put him in every social program that was available to kids, mm-hmm. and so he did he did a soccer program, he did a painting program, he did sewing, he did theater, <laughs> um, just so that he would be super busy. And, um, she then, uh, I think she, he says that one of the last, um, programs that he took part in, um, was music. And so he learned how to play first the flute and then the guitar. And so he thinks that her idea to like, keep him busy, keep him on, you know, to keep him on the right path was, you know, ended up, uh, being the right, the right thing to do because it really kept him away from any violence or anything, um, any of the bad stuff that was going on around him.
4: Bom, e, e aí eu fiz. Acho que três anos de falta. E violão, eu fiz uma semana porque eu não tinha violão e aí eu tive que sair. E, e também não gostava muito que machucava o dedo, enfim. <risos> e é, e Eu comecei a fazer um projeto social que encaminhava a gente para o primeiro emprego. Então, quando eu tinha uns 13, 14 anos, o último projeto social que eu fiz na vida era um projeto social que preparava o jovem para trabalhar numa empresa. E aí, lá nesse projeto que encaminhava a gente para o emprego, eu conheci o Bloco das Carmelitas. Eles faziam parceria né, com, com esse projeto social Eh, uh, lá foi meu primeiro contato assim com a percussão, que mudou totalmente a minha visão da música. Eu não gostava muito da flauta, nem do violão. Na semana eu o surdo de primeira ali. Eu fiquei completamente apaixonado assim, eh, não sei, a percussão me tocou muito mais talvez do que a flauta, do que o violão. Ah, so he's so he said that when he
3: was um so the, so he was doing flute. He did flute actually for three years. Um, he did one week of guitar, uh, number one, because he didn't have a guitar. And then number two, he said that it hurt his fingers, which <laughs> I can relate. Um, and then when he was 13, uh, or 14 years old, he did a program that was, um, preparing young people to find a job to like work and find a job. So, um, uh, it, since this is in Santa Teresa, they they had a partnership with Bloco das Carmelitas, which is a bloco in Santa Teresa, and that's when he was exposed to percussion. Um, so he said that, you know, he didn't he loved music, but he didn't really like fla- flute that much. He didn't really like guitar that much. Um, but when he played for Surdo for the first time, he feels like that really spoke to him and, and he found his passion. So no, no, even though music was his thing. Uh, he really, you know, I, I guess found his passion in percussion.
4: Bom, eu acho que <risos> bom, eu acho que a minha história é, é inicial, digamos assim, na vida é é isso que eu contei para vocês. Como eu disse, eu acho muito importante ter falado um pouco antes, né, que que veio antes de, de eu nascer, e contar também depois o processo, depois que eu nasci, até encontrar a perfeição, eu acho que essa é, é a introdução, assim, eu vou, acho que, é, esperar as perguntas, porque senão eu vou acabar com as perguntas.
3: Não, a gente está completamente apaixonados para para sua história, um... <laughs> My, uh, so he's saying that he he hopes that that was uh not a, such a long introduction but he thought it was really important to sort of get him from you know the time before him how he sort of how his family sort of uh managed until he was born and that kind of thing and then talking of you know up until he became um you know he uh, he found percussion
2: it was amazing yeah, yeah. We're all kind of tearing up over é.
4: Se deixar, eu fico falando Até chegar nos dias de hoje né? Então...
3: Nossa, nossa, a gente estava eu, eu, eu já fiz Várias entrevistas com, a, com, com elas E eu acho que nunca, nunca quis chorar numa entrevista Mas foi a primeira vez Tinha, Eu tive que segurar Mas não, você Conta essa história muito uh, Como você conta e muito
4: lindo também. Muito obrigado. Eu fico sempre muito emocionado também toda vez que eu relembro, né? Uhum. Eu acho que é muito importante a gente lembrar né, de onde que a gente veio, qual foi o caminho que os nossos pais, os nossos avós tiveram que percorrer para eu estar aqui né, falando com vocês. Isso é. é uma coisa que eu tenho... Eu trabalhado, porque é muito importante para minha própria construção, assim. eu uhum. acho que eu tenho muito mais força e eu consigo seguir, né? apesar das dificuldades, eu consigo seguir, porque eu vejo, eu falo, gente, o que que os meus avós, é, o que a gente, o que a minha mãe passou por eu estar aqui, todo o esforço dela, então eu não posso de forma nenhuma jogar toda essa energia que eles colocaram na minha vida yeah. fora assim então é yeah, uh,
3: it. so he's, <laughs> so he's saying that you know he part of the reason why he also likes to tell the stories is because you know even though some of it's hard for him to remember too because i i told him that you know i i've done interviews with you guys before and i've never wanted to cry during an interview and because his story <laughs> was just so emotional and and he says that that the um, part of the reason that he tells the story is because it gives him strength because he thinks about, mm-hmm. like, everything that his grandparents went through, his mom went through, like, what he's been through and sort of everything that he's he's gone, you know, that has gotten him to this point where he is now, um, that that gives him a lot of strength to to look back and think about, like, what, what, and he, he used the word constructed him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think that's
3: a really great um, way to say it. Are his parents still alive?
1: Are they still around?
3: Seus, seus uh, pais ainda estão vivos?
4: Não entendi, desculpa.
3: Seus pais ainda estão vivos? Eles...
4: Sim, a minha... a minha, Eles... Um, próximo do, dos anos 2000, eles acabaram se separando. Foi um momento bem difícil pra mim. É, e aí foi cada um pra um lado eu acabei ficando com a minha mãe e uhum. foi difícil porque amo muito meu pai, né, e não terei ele ali perto foi complicado, né, separação complicada mas, é, eu acho que tudo na vida tem um porquê, né nada por acaso então, a mulher que meu pai se casou se tornou uma segunda mãe assim, então também mais uma pessoa para cuidar de mim uhum. e, ao mesmo tempo é, Ficar com a minha mãe também foi importante, de estar mais próxima da minha mãe. Acho que quando está a mãe e o pai, (risos) o pai acaba estando ali junto, então acho que você não fica tão próximo da sua mãe. Então quando está só a mãe, eu acho que rola uma proximidade que foi importante para mim. E aí depois, apesar de ser uma coisa ruim, a separação acabou sendo uma coisa boa. Meu pai... É, eles ficaram bem, né? Estavam brigando uhum. e tal, enfim Então eles ficaram bem, meu pai se casou com uma outra pessoa Que, como eu disse Foi minha segunda mãe Então ganhou uma ganhou segunda mãe Então, Mas eles estão vivos hoje uhum. É, Minha mãe mora em Lumiar Que é uma região serrana do Rio E o meu pai mora Em Itaguaí, que é uma região o, Oceânica né, Que fala é, Moram distantes, mas sempre quando dá, eu tento ir lá visitá-los e vê-los. E, enfim, isso é o um meu português.
3: Como é o nome do, da cidade dela? Lumiar?
4: É, Lumiar. O nome da minha mãe é Dona Neide. Ela mora em Lumiar. E meu pai, o mo- nome dele é Carlos, mora em Itaguaí. Itaguaí.
3: Itaguaí? O Itaguaí?
4: Itaguaí, é... Itago,
3: ita. no, no. <laughs> <laughs> so uh so he was saying that yes they his parents are still alive and um he, you know he he says that the year 2000 was really hard for him because and for the family because his parents separated um so that was really difficult but in the end it ended up being a, a good thing because um, you know his dad got remarried and so he gained a, a you know a mother-in-law that's like a second mother to him and it's another person to to watch over him and take care of him and then his um he also got because he stayed with his mom he also got really close to his mom so he's saying that you know sometimes when the whole family's together you know if you're the son in a family you're usually close to your dad and so you know there's sort of you know, a lot of, a lot of young boys are close to their fathers. And so he said that, you know, in the end, him staying with his mother as a single mom, um, after their separation sort of made him closer to her. So they're still alive. Um, his mom lives in, uh, Lumia, which is an area of Rio that's, um, outside of the city. Um, and Itaguaí, which is, uh, also in the, in Rio, but, um, it's
0: in
4: the in an oceanic area of, of hmm. outside of the city. Hmm. Nice. Ficaram bem longe um do outro. Oi? Os Dois, uh, Itaguaí e Lamiá, são cidades assim muito distantes assim. Parece até que eles queriam ficar realmente bem distantes um do outro.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so they're they're pretty far outside of this uh I was by São no no estado do Rio, né?
4: So not So there so
3: he says that they're like it seems like they wanted to be very far away from from, from the city or from each other, but one is like really far far north in uh the state of Rio de Janeiro, and then one is really far south.
4: So I
2: wanted to maybe continue on his musical path and how Isso evoluiu depois que ele a surdo.
3: Então, uh, con- conte para gente um pouco sobre, já que a gente falou sobre sabe, a sua trajetória pessoal de, de criança e seus pais e tudo mais, é, conte um pouco sobre sua trajetória musical depois de que você começou na percussão e você descobriu a percussão, como é que foi a evolução da sua carreira e, e tudo isso.
4: Perfeito. Bom, como eu disse, minha mãe meio que me obrigou a fazer flauta, depois o violão, e a percussão ela veio como uma surpresa, né? Eu não estava esperando, eu estava fazendo projeto para conseguir primeiro emprego e conheci o bloco das carmelitas Então o primeiro contato foi flauta, depois o violão, e por fim veio a percussão quando eu tinha mais ou menos uns 15 anos de idade. Mas a flauta, né, que foi a primeira, eu tinha mais ou menos uns 9 anos. É, e na percussão, eu comecei nos graves, através do bloco das carmelitas, eu tocava os, os surdos, né? Então, primeiro foi surdo de primeira, depois surdo de segunda, e de terceira ficava é, alternando aí nos graves.
3: So he, you know, as he mentioned, his mom forced him to do music. And so he started with, uh, <laughs> he started with flute at around nine years old. And percussion was almost like a surprise um, that just kind of found him through this partnership um, when he was doing that class to be trained to get a job. He was around 15 and he started um, on the low instrument. So he started on surdu, first with surdu de primera, then segunda, and then he would kind
4: of dabble in on a uh, terceira on thirds too as well. Eh, bom, e aí eu eu gosto, como eu disse, eu, eu me apaixonei pela percussão, né, muito mais do que a flauta, do que o violão. Eu decidi me especializar, né, conhecer mais sobre a percussão. E aí o pé Tinha jurado que não faria mais nenhum projeto social, mas acabei fazendo <risos> mais um projeto social é, na Fundição Progresso, que é um, uma casa de shows, mas também uma casa cultural que tem na Lapa, que é no Rio de Janeiro. E lá na Fundição Progresso, eu conheci a oficina de percussão do bloco Rio Maracatu. Uhum. É, que foi, assim, talvez, realmente a minha primeira escola, né? Porque no Bloco das Carmelitas você chega e o cara fala, toca aí o surdo de primeira, e yeah, vai, isso aí, tá ótimo. E pronto, assim, não tinha ninguém realmente para ensinar. A primeira aula mesmo, a oficina, então viria através desse último projeto social que eu fiz na Fundação Progresso, um bloco Rio Maracatu.
3: Um, so he, so he says that, you know, this unexpected passion sort of became something that he wanted to know more about, and he promised that he would never do another one of those social projects again, <laughs> <laughs> since he had done so many, um, but he wanted to really learn more about percussion, and so he ended up doing, uh, a project, um, at Fungi Progresso, which is a... Um, it's a place where they have shows, but they also have um, lots of bateria rehearsals there and, and projects there in Lapa. I think Monobloco and Banga might have also done things at Fungi Progresso. Progreso. that um, he started with uh, Bloco Rio Maracatu, um, which was, a, a you know, it was a classes that he could do. And so he thinks that it was great that he ac- actually ended up doing that because sometimes, you know, at other you know, less structured places. It's like you arrive and then you're there, just like you play, play something. And here's, but here it was more of a structured format to actually learn um, the instruments.
4: Bom, e aí o maracatu aqui no Rio de Janeiro, né? Eu acho que o samba é sempre a maior referência. É, a gente ouve até por as né? O samba. É, ele é uma coisa natural, mas o maracatu, a primeira vez que eu vi, eu falei Que que é isso? Meu Deus do céu! Caraca, eu dava pra entender nada, assim, porque é um ritmo... É, ele tem uns compassos muito é, complexos, né? É um ritmo bem diferente E... Mas por incrível que pareça, a, 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 as aulas de flauta e de violão Me ajudaram, assim, a entender um pouco Como funcionava o maracatu e eu também me apaixonei completamente é... faz parte da cultura afro-brasileira e eu senti uma energia ali muito boa, assim eu me senti em casa, assim eu acho que inclusive me me conectava talvez com a minha ancestralidade, assim, com os meus avós eu não sei, mas eu sentia que tava, tava completamente conectado ali com a percussão, assim no samba, eu tocava no bloco assim, me divertia, assim, eu acho que no Rio Maracatu foi a primeira vez que eu me sentia totalmente conectado com a música, assim. não sei nem muito bem explicar, mas, enfim, e aí lá eu toquei alfaia, que é o um, um instrumento grave que eles usam no Maracatu, que é pesado pra caramba, porque, e aí lá o primeiro instrumento que eu toquei foi foi o grave também, porque, enfim, é, como eu já tinha... Tocar do surdo eu achei que seria mais fácil, só que eu me ferrei porque a digitação é completamente diferente do maracatu. E, mas eu toquei alfaia é, e me apaixonei, assim. O maracatu, ele é, foi muito marcante pelos ensinamentos musicais que eu recebi lá. Como eu disse, foi a primeira oficina, mas tinha essa coisa da conexão, assim. É como se eu tivesse me conectado com essa históriaidade, era coisa assim que saía vinha de dentro para fora, assim, era uma coisa muito louca que até hoje inclusive quando eu vou tocar lá eu ainda participo, é, eu sinto uma energia como eu lugar wow.
3: um, So he is saying that um, when he went to play with bloco Rio Maracatu. Um, you know that he had you know samba is something that is always present, especially being in Rio. You know, and and playing with the with the blocos that he the hit or the bloco they had played with before. Samba was something that was very omnipresent. Um, but when he went to play with local Hio Maracatu, it was like he was like, "What is that? That's a totally different rhythm. It's very more complex." Um, but you know, he thinks that the 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 teachings that he had from the from flute and from guitar and sort of that musical training really helped him to understand maracatu Um, so that on the on the one hand that that the music musical education that he got there was great because it really you know helped him musically but then it also maracatu is part of a very afro-brazilian Uh, tradition and so he says that he felt a connection that he didn't feel with other types of music so he had fun playing samba um, and he you know he still you know he he has he he plays it and he he has fun but with maracatu, it was different it was something that he was able to connect with spiritually and just from a you know thinking about the he said he felt at home with maracatu and it was a way for him to connect with his with his culture. Um, So he said that, you know, energetically, he felt something very different. He says that even when he plays because sometimes he still plays with them now. um, That it's something that he feels inside that's that's very different from when he plays other things. And so um, he did think that playing surdu was going to help him play Alfaya, but he said that it did not. <laughs> um, that he had to really learn how to understand maracatu and, and play that. It, you know, because it's just so different and complex.
1: Yeah, very.
4: <laughs> Bom, uh, e aí no projeto social que durou mais ou menos um ano e meio, eu estudava loucamente, assim, eu eu fiquei realmente muito apaixonado pela percussão, pelo maracatu e pelos ritmos brasileiros, porque lá eles ensinavam maracatu, mas eles ensinavam o coco de roda, ensinavam jechá, ensinavam, enfim, outros ritmos da nossa cultura brasileira. E eu comecei a estudar sobre a cultura brasileira, sobre os ritmos, mas depois de um ano e meio é, o projeto social acabou. Eu fiquei muito triste assim porque <risos> eu não teria condições de pagar a oficina normalmente. Mas aí, para minha surpresa, eles gostaram muito da, de como era de como eu me comportava nas aulas, enfim, eles queriam aprender e me convidaram para ser um dos monitores. E aí foi talvez a primeira vez que eu é, inverti a posição né, de aluno para uma pessoa que estava ali ajudando as outras pessoas a aprender.
3: Ah, que legal. Então, uh, o Rio Maracatu, o bloco, o bloco continuou, mas o programa que conectava os, você ao, a, ao bloco que terminou, né?
4: Isso, perfeito. O projeto social encerrou e aí os professores tá. da oficina fizeram esse convite para ser um dos monitores da aula para ajudar na aula, enfim, ajudar a passar o conhecimento para os alunos da oficina ah. regular, porque eles, além do projeto social eles tinham uma oficina normal, né? e eu comecei uh-huh, a fazer uh-huh. parte do monitoramento da oficina deles regular e a também fazer é, participar de shows e participar também do block show deles
3: que legal um, so he was with um part of so that project that he was doing the social program at uh, that was part of local rio maracatu um, He was part of that for a year and a half, Um, and he was really, he loved it because not only did he learn maracatu, but he also got to be exposed to other rhythms like koku and ijasha, and so he really got, you know, more of uh, exposed to this, you know, these African rhythms. Um, But then the project ended, Um, you know, the social project that sort of linked students um, and like him to the bloku ended but thankfully, and so he was really sad. He was, you know, of course, very sad because it was only a year and a half after he had started. Um, but because, um, you know, the group really liked him and and they liked, you know, sort of his energy when he was in class, they asked him to be um, a monitor. So sort of be an, a teaching. I, what I can understand is to be a teaching assistant during the their official oficinas, right? Because the social project ended, but not the bloco. The bloco still had their oficinas for people who could pay and go to the to the oficinas so um so they asked him to be a monitor so that he could keep going um and then he started being invited to actually play in their shows so he sort of um you know was able to even though the project ended he was able to stay um participating with Hio maracatu
2: so i have a question he started playing alfaya but he became this monitor was he learning all the parts then
3: eh você falou que você começou tocando alfaia aí quando você passa a ser monitor você ainda tava só no alfaia ou já começava tocar outras coisas
4: na é, eu pulei né pessoal <laughs> durante <laughs> as oficinas do durante as, as oficinas do projeto social a gente começa escolhendo um instrumento, né, para se iniciar, mas como era um ano e meio, a gente tinha oportunidade de revezamento, assim, então de mês a mês a gente trocava de instrumento dentro da bateria de maracatu, então da alfaia do grave, né, eu resolvi pegar a caixa, depois eu peguei o tarol, depois eu peguei o congue bongue. O bongue é como... É, gongue é como se fosse um agogô do, do, do maracatu, né? Como se fosse um agogô do maracatu é, Depois Shekere Que é o, aquele chocalho O último foi O, o chocalho, né? o ganzá Foi o último instrumento Que eu fui Vir aprender assim, né? Muita, é, é um dos meus instrumentos principais né? Acho que eu sou Conhecido Até como Chico Chocalho, por conta do trabalho que eu faço com Chocalho, mas enfim, na percussão foi um dos últimos instrumentos que eu vinha, vinha aprender. Começando grave, depois caixa, tarol, é, depois gongue, chequei, por último eu veio danzar. Mas enfim, na, na oficina né, que a gente tinha no Projeto Social a gente tinha essa opção de revezamento e aí eu, tava viciado, eu saí pegando todos os <laughs> ao mesmo tempo assim, todos. Tá. so he uh,
3: he started with alfaya but since it's a, it was a program that was a year and a half um, they actually got to change every month um, so he was able to play every part that they have in the in the in rio maracatu so he started with alfaya but then he moved on to snare tarol gonge um, and then his last instrument was, uh, was the shaker, but he was obsessed with just, you know, learning as much as he could. And, and so, um, but he, he says that even now, you know, obviously he's best known for, um, his shaker. And so they even, you know, his nickname is Shiko Shokalio. Um, so yeah, he, he played all the instruments.
4: Bom, e aí, lá no Rio Maracatu, eu é, tive diversos mestres. É, o principal, né, o diretor principal do Rio Maracatu, o nome dele é, é Chicote. Ele é um mestre de Maracatu, de Estrela Brilhante, que é, enfim. E ele veio lá de Recife para o Rio e começou esse projeto do Rio Maracatu. E ele foi muito importante... É, para eu me conectar com outros blocos, né, então eu comecei a fazer monitoramento lá do Rio Maracatu através desse convite que ele fez, o encerramento do projeto social, mas através deles eu comecei a fazer trabalhos também com música em outros blocos, em outras oportunidades fora do Rio Maracatu, então o Chicote, né, que era esse mestre do Rio Maracatu, foi muito importante para eu expandir assim, é, meu conhecimento para outros lugares. E aí, é, numa dessas desses trabalhos fora do Rio Maracatu, eu conheci o mestre Fernando Jacutinga, é, hoje ele é falecido, já faleceu tem uns 5 anos, mas ele é, talvez tenha sido assim, a, a pessoa que guiou meu, meus passos. Assim. Ele falou, oh, você é muito bom no chucalho, você deveria investir no chucalho. Você deveria é, estudar o chocalho das escolas de samba, você deveria começar um trabalho com o chocalho e tal, enfim. E através dele também eu conheci outros blocos que foram importantes, assim, como o monobloco, que ele também, ele era o, na época, né, ele era o repique principal do monobloco, então ele me levou no monobloco para conhecer o monobloco, me levou no Bangalá Fomega, enfim, é, Então, o Chicote e o Fernando Jacotinca foram muito importantes para que uma coisa que era talvez um hobby, ou enfim, um, uma aula se tornasse talvez uma coisa mais profissional, uma profissão, me encaminhando para que aquilo se tornasse uma profissão.
3: Tá. O, o mestre, Você falou que o Mestre Fernando ele era o repique principal no monobloco? So he's saying that, um you know, at that point when he was started to do, uh to be the monitor at, at Rio Maracatu, you know, he sort of, that's when he starts to, you know, meet his teachers, his mestres. And so the first one that he met was Mestre Shikochi, who was the one that started Rio Maracatu, who's he's actually from, he was actually from Recife, he came to Rio to, you know, and part of the Estrella Brilhante, um, Nassau. Nassau, was that with Nassau? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, so he came to Rio, started Rio Maracatu and, and sort of he helped connect him to other groups to, to you know, as he was doing the, you know, the work as a monitor um, in in the group, in the bloco, he was actually that, you know, helping him find work with other blocos. And so that's when he was connected to mestre fernando who who is actually he credits him with sort of guiding his steps um, that to really take um not only music but even you know to really focus on the chocalio and and study chocalio and to go study chocalio at at samba schools and sort of take that as a as a focus area um at the time um mestre fernando who who passed away i think he said five years ago um, he was the uh, principal hipiki for Monobloco, which is a huge, a famous group in, in Rio and r- globally, really. Um, but he really helped him sort of look at, number one, what he what he should focus on, which was he suggested the chocalho, um, but also taking music and percussion from just a hobby and something that he did to, you know, but to to actually Use it to, to actually having it as a profession. Um, so he credits mestre uh, Fernando Jacocchino with that.
4: Bom, e aí através dele eu comecei é, a conhecer outros blocos, é, maracatu, com, é, maracatu desculpa, mano, bloco como ele diz. É um dos blocos que ele me apresentou. O nome era Picada de Primeira. É um bloco bem tradicional ali da Lapa, fica ali na, na região da Lapa, e que ele era um dos professores. E ele me convidou para ir lá, para conhecer. E me apaixonei pelo bloco, porque era um bloco muito... Ele misturava um, um pouco da, da brincadeira, dos blocos de rua, mas ao mesmo tempo tinha ali a, a técnica, enfim, o... Os ensinamentos que o, que o Fernando Jacutinga passava, ele passava de uma forma muito técnica. assim então era, É como se fosse a junção do bloco dos carmelitas, que tinha aquela zoeira, é, aquela brincadeira né, do bloco dos carmelitas, com a técnica que eu aprendi no rio maracatu. Então, é, era um bloco que eu gostava muito de tocar. Ele era um bloco que tinha vários ritmos, né, porque o maracatu, é o foco principal era o maracatu. O Carmelita só tocava samba, então esse bloco ficado de de primeira foi muito interessante porque a gente tocava todos os ritmos, então tocava samba, funk, enfim, era uma mistura de tudo, era uma mistura de alegria com técnica. E quando ele faleceu, eu eu me tornei professor, eu acabei ficando no lugar dele, foi um desafio enorme, gigantesco, que inclusive eu nem queria a princípio mas os próprios alunos que faziam parte lá desse desse bloco falaram que deveria continuar o legado dele, eu fiquei muito feliz e muito preocupada, assim, que era uma grande responsabilidade dele, um, um grande mestre, mas aí eu comecei a dar aulas uh, depois que ele faleceu. Tá. Um So, he
3: was saying that, you know, um Mestre Fernando helped introduce him to Monobloco, but then he also introduced him to another bloco that take, that is in Lapa called Picada da Primeira, Picada de Primeira, né? Um, And he said that it was um, where he really sort of he really fell in love with the bloco because um, you know they had all the fun and silliness um, of the blocos like Carmelitas, right? Like all of you know the dressing up and all the craziness. But at the same time, they had a real focus on technique um, and learning to play the instruments correctly. And so, you know, he also got to play, uh, you know, because Carmelitos just plays samba. Um, So so he loved this bloco because it combined that silliness um, and the fun that, you know, a lot of the blocos, uh, you know, street uh, blocos have. Um, with learning the actual technical aspects of playing um, Brazilian rhythms. And he got to play more than samba there. He got to play uh, samba funk and and just, you know, different rhythms that were mixed. Um, and so when Mestre Fernando died, he actually ended up taking over as the main teacher there. And it was something that he you know, it was a huge challenge for him. He actually didn't want to, he said, you know, he felt like it was too much of a, uh, it was, it was uh, a lot of, a, res- a lot of responsibility to come in um, and take over for someone who had been, you know, who was so respected. And and so he was worried, um, I guess in a way that he wouldn't be able to fill his shoes, but the the actual students were the ones that asked him to to stay on as the professor and sort of continue his legacy and be the continuation of 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 mestre fernando's work um so now he's he's the main teacher there
4: é, um pouco antes dele partir uh é, é como se ele sentisse que que ia partir então é como se ele tivesse me preparado para exatamente assumir ali né Tinha um outro professor também, o nome é Bruno Abreu, só que o Bruno Abreu, enfim, ficou muito sentido com a perda, eles eram muito amigos, então eu senti que o Jacutinga meio que me preparou para ficar no lugar dele, então ele me ensinou a tocar os instrumentos de samba, porque era um bloco... Apesar de tocar todos os ritmos, né, eles usavam instrumentos de, de bloco mesmo, né, que era mais voltado para o samba. Então, emissão o no repique, é, caixa, tarol, o chocalho de platinela, que eu não tinha tocado ainda, que é aquele chocalho de madeira né, uh-huh. de platinelas, é, e o agogô também. Então, é, foi, foi difícil também, porque eram novos instrumentos, novas levadas, enfim, uma chuva de conhecimentos. Mas é, foi muito importante, porque abriu muito a minha cabeça, o meu conhecimento para outros instrumentos, enfim. Eu só tinha tocado os instrumentos de maracatu e surdos, surdos nos carmelitas, né? Então, eu conheci também o repique, enfim, outros instrumentos que eu não tinha tocado, a gogô. E esse chucado de platinela é que, meu Deus do céu, quando eu toquei o chucado de platinela, também fiquei hiper mega apaixonado, eu nunca tinha visto. E bom, quando é, e quando ele faleceu, fiquei com na cabeça que ele falou das escolas de, as escolas de um, so he, so he says that he feels that, um, you know, before
3: Mestre Fernando passed away, he was almost preparing him to take over. Um, you know, there was another professor there, Bruno Abril, but uh, Mestre Fernando really sort of uh, introduced him to playing samba instruments. So, um, you know, he had only been focused on Maracatu instruments, even though he played with Bloco Camelitas, das cabelitas and he played samba there, um, he didn't really have that much contact with the instruments of the samba schools. Um, and so Mestre Fernando, before he passed away, uh, began to teach him how to play the samba traditional samba instruments and so you know he introduced him to the you know chocalho de which is the the wooden shaker that they use in samba schools with the with the jingles um he'd actually never seen it before um and so he became super you know he fell in love with that um with that instrument and so you know when when he was sort of helping him find his path, um, you know, he said you you should, you know, really study Shokalio, you should really, but you should go study with the samba schools and, you know, really learn uh, their traditions. And when Mestri Fernando died, he felt like it was something that he had to do and he went after to went after going to learn in the samba schools.
4: Bom, toda a minha formação musical tinha sido de blocos, né, de blocos de carnaval. E as escolas de samba eram outro mundo, assim, totalmente diferente. Por incrível que pareça, né? Eu nunca tinha ido numa quadra, enfim. Não não conhecia muito bem a escola, só só de ouvir, assim, né? Porque era uma coisa muito natural aqui no Rio, mas Eu nunca tinha ido na quadra, escutado samba. E aí quando eu fui na quadra da mangueira, eu acho a primeira vez, é, eu falei, meu Deus do céu, o que é isso aqui? Socorro, meu Deus, o que é isso assim? Ó, era uma coisa. Eu já estava já bastante. Eu já tava bastante tempo estudando música, né? Desde a flauta, depois violão. E minha esposa chegou aqui, gente. Oi, tudo bem? Só que não dá pra ver? Bom, é, e é, desculpa, foi uma coisa muito diferente. Eu via uma escola de samba de perto, assim. Então, apesar de tocar, talvez ter contato com a música já há bastante tempo né, desde os de 9 anos de idade flauta, violão, blá, enfim, toda essa história que eu contei quando eu via a mangueira, né, a escola de samba foi uma coisa assim que deu um, sei lá, travou meu cérebro, assim, falei, meu Deus, o que está acontecendo assim? Porque é uma energia, é uma coisa, entendeu, um absurda, assim, é uma coisa totalmente diferente. E, e eu comecei a me dedicar a estudar sambas.
3: So uh, he's ta- he was talking about his um, transition from going just to Blocos, his connection with Blocos, that's where his um, sort of focus had been, where he had learned instruments. Um, and then, you know, he went after this sort of education in the samba schools. And he'd never actually even been to a quadra, which is like a, where the samba schools practice. Um, and the first time, he went, he went to Manguera and he was the Manguera Sama school. And he was like, Oh my God, what is this? It's almost like he had this experience where his brain couldn't understand <laughs> all of the information that was coming in because, you know, he'd never, you know, he'd he would seen Sama been played before with the blocos, but not the way that it's played in the Sama schools. And so he said that he felt sort of this, like this, um, you know, just this, not confusion, but you know, his he said his his brain kind of stopped because it was just so, so much information.
1: It's interesting. He had never had you had never been to a samba school and never seen it. Living in Rio,
3: uh, ela falou que, que é muito interessante que você morando no Rio nunca, nunca foi num, numa escola de numa quadra. Uh, mas era por porque você não estava muito interessado ou porque você acha que, que você nunca foi para uma quadra até Sim. até essa é momento. não por
4: incrível que pareça <risos> isso é uma coisa que eu acho que não, não eu acredito assim pelo enfim pelo pouco que eu vejo que eu conheço assim isso é uma coisa rotineira nossa assim. a gente é ridículo assim não tem nem como <risos> falar de outra forma assim porque a gente aqui no Rio tá perto da praia não dá na praia a gente está perto do Cristo, enfim, de de todas as coisas que a gente tem que que está do nosso lado e que a gente, às vezes, não vai, assim. Então, isso é uma coisa do carioca, assim. Não sei muito bem explicar, assim. Mas, além disso, mas acho que além disso, para as pessoas que tocam no bloco ou que participam de bloco, Na grande maioria das vezes, as escolas de samba, na cabeça da galera que que participa do bloco, né, na na cabeça das pessoas que participam de bloco, as escolas de samba é uma coisa meio que inacessível, é é como se fosse um outro mundo que não é acessível. Então, a grande maioria dos alunos de bloco do Rio, se você for perguntar, nunca foram na escola, não não conhecem, não, não sabem assim. Porque acham que é um outro nível, realmente é um, é um outro mundo, é um outro nível, né? é uma outra história. É, então acho que tem um pouquinho de medo uhum. e. É, um, é uma mistura de medo com essa. com essa bobeira, né? Que o carioca não, não vai nos lugares, não vai conhecer. <risos>
3: Eu acho que não é só carioca. Eu acho que qualquer pessoa que sabe mora na cidade tem coisas que não aproveitam, aproveitam até que tem
0: algum ponto yeah, pessoal
3: visitando, assim. né? <laughs> um, yeah, so he so he's saying that it's you know he actually thinks that it's probably not that uncommon that um, people don't um, like people who live in Rio don't go to the quadras um, just because it's 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 almost like you know people get lost in their routines. I think I was telling him that that's probably the case for a lot of people that live in big cities. Is that you know he's like we live next to the ocean and people don't go to the beach, Uh, you know we live right next to the to the um, the Christ and we don't go to the to the up to see the Christ, um, you know in Rio and so he thinks it's the same for a lot of people that you know it's just not something that they go they think of doing um, just because of their routines. But he also thinks that for a lot of people who play. In the blocos, that it's also um, that you know they think of s- samba schools as like this other world, um, and that the playing is on another level, and so that's sort of inaccessible to them. Um, so there's sort of like this fear to actually, you know, go to the samba schools if you've been playing at the blocos. It's just almost like, you know, and he thinks that to a certain extent it's true, right? That there, there is it, it is a different level of playing. Um, but that you know that sort of it's it's a combination of that fear and that sort of impression that it's something you know this whole other world and also the fact that you know they just you know people just get lost in their routine.
4: Bom, é... e aí é... um monte de coisas aconteceram e uma dessas coisas foi um bloco que eu comecei a tocar. Profissionalmente, o nome é carro, Bloco Funk e Carrossel de Emoções. É um bloco que acabou dando super certo, assim, gente. Ficou famoso mesmo, foi na televisão, programa de televisão aqui, na Globo, enfim, SBT. Explodiu, assim, é um bloco que deu super certo, porque ele tinha um Bloco Funk e Carrossel de Emoções. Ele é um bloco que deu super certo porque ele veio talvez numa época de blocos temáticos. É, tinha os blocos bem tradicionais, né? Que sempre existiram e teve talvez é, um novo movimento de blocos, né? Dessa volta para os blocos de rua. É, enfim. E esse bloco deu super certo porque ele trazia um tema que era bem atual, que era funk, que também estava crescendo por conta da Anitta, enfim. <risos> O funk na época estava em alta, né? então o bloco explodiu assim, a gente foi para vários programas, rodou o Brasil inteiro, a gente fez até uma turnê na Europa também, de dois meses tocando nos dias de Brasil, é, de diversos países da Europa, Espanha, é, Portugal, Itália, França, é, Suíça, a Ale, a Holanda, a Alemanha, enfim. Foi muito legal porque é, além, de ter vi, é, além de ter talvez conseguido realizar talvez a vontade do Mestre Fernando Jacutinga de eu através da música conseguir um emprego e conseguir ganhar dinheiro com isso para ajudar minha família, talvez era um grande desejo dele, eu conheci também em diversos lugares, diversas coisas através da música, assim. então eu fiquei muito feliz. Foi um bloco muito importante.
3: E você que criou? Você criou o bloco?
4: Não, esse bloco eu fui convidado para ah, participar tá. como músico mesmo, né? Tocando tá, chicalho. Tá. E depois, eu, depois de um ano e meio, mais ou menos, eu me tornei também diretor musical. Então, fazia regência. É... E tocando e regendo às vezes também, né? fazendo a regência, direção musical, escolhendo as músicas, fazendo os arranjos, também foi muito bom por causa disso, assim, porque eu nunca tinha participado de uma construção de um show, assim, criar um show e tal, foi, foi, foi muito bom, assim. Eu conheci uma outra maneira de trabalhar com música. É mas como o bloco cresceu muito assim tinha donos, sócios enfim eu só cuidava da parte musical mesmo
3: ah legal so um, after that he started actually playing with um, a bloco called bloco funk so I guess I think that's carousel of emotions would be the translation um it was a a funk um so it was sort of came out around the time when you know you you had your traditional blocos that you know had been around for for many many years and then this was kind of like a new movement of blocos that were themed and so um he was invited to play chocalio as part of this bloco and it sort of exploded it like blew up because um, you know, it was a funk-themed bloco, and at the time, you know, funk was really starting to become more mainstream with, the, you know, the arrival of artists like Anita, and so it's you know it sort of blew up, and you know they were on TV, they were on Globo, they did a tour in Brazil, they did a tour in Europe, um, a two-month tour where they played in a lot of countries like France and Italy, um, Switzerland, Holland, Germany. So so really um you know the the bloco took him to sort of took him to another level of um you know this of of his being a working musician and so he thinks that this bloco was really the one that sort of made um you know the dream that mestri fernando had for him which was to um you know he had this desire for him to make a career out of being a musician um sort of really became reality with this bloco because you know not only was he able to um, you know make money to support his family as a musician but he also got to travel the world and see the world with it as well. Um, and then he also um sort of saw the other side of music because he became you know he was first invited as a as a musician playing the shokalio but then he became their musical director. Um, and started to sort of, you know, pick pick songs, that kind of thing that a musical director does, but then also part of the management of it. So contracts, putting together shows, um, and he saw the other side of, another side of, of working as a musician, the more business as, side of it. Um, so he thinks that that was a, a sort of great experience for him as well.
4: Um, bom, eu acho que eu também vou dar, <laughs> acho que também vou mm-hmm. dar uma pausa, se... Uh I go ahead and
3: I So he's saying that he's he's gonna wait for qu for your question so he doesn't keep talking, talking, talking.
1: <laughs> I would like to learn how he did unless Diana, you have another question, but how he is he now playing still playing Maraca 2 and then also Bloco's I see he's got his own bloco, but then he's also playing with Vila Isabel and and blocos and samba schools, and and also he's got his own blocos now, and um, that he created. And then he's teaching shokayu classes, like balancing and teaching at um, the Maracatu store. Like, how is he balancing? I guess all of those those things together.
3: Então uh, agora você, ela está falando que você tem muitos projetos. É, como você é, como você
2: é, I, I, I'm trying to
3: figure out how to ask him this question like
2: balança, like
3: é, co- como, como você acha o equilíbrio dessas coisas como você planeja tudo para ter um pouco de equilíbrio na sua vida né? porque ela está falando que você tem muito projeto
4: sim, perfeito é, n- na época do carro de emoções que foi esse bloco fez muito sucesso Foi muito difícil, porque é, eu estava, na época, no quartel, o serviço obrigatório, né, que a gente tem que, que fazer um, um serviço Servício militar. Serviço militar? Isso, perfeito. Ah, tá. Então, eu estava no exército, eu saía e estava estudando na faculdade, na época, é, inclusive foi... Foi muito importante para mim, conseguir fazer a faculdade. Eu fui o primeiro da família que conseguiu fazer a faculdade, então queria fazer a faculdade, assim, a qualquer custo, assim. Então, era muito difícil, assim, porque exército, faculdade, e um bloco que tava fazendo sucesso, então, realmente, às vezes, ficava muito difícil de administrar. Porque é, o bloco viajava, sexta, sábado e domingo, a gente estava viajando, fazendo shows, então, era uma loucura, assim. Mas eu acho que eu não tinha muita opção também, porque eu dependia de tudo isso para ajudar em casa, eu não demorava para minha mãe na época. E eu tinha que que dar meu jeito, né? Para conseguir estar no quartel, na faculdade, e fazer shows, e estar em casa, ajudar em casa, levar o dinheiro para casa. Então eu não tinha nem muitas opções assim, então eu fazia e que eu faço inclusive até hoje porque realmente ainda continuo fazendo muitas coisas ao mesmo tempo eu tento organizar tudo é, em folhas mesmo, né? coloco tudo na agenda escrevo assim na mão mesmo é, é, e lamentavelmente acabo dormindo pouco assim. é uma coisa que, é, é uma coisa que eu tive que fazer meio, meio que sem querer, assim, então dormia muito pouco para poder dar conta de tudo.
3: Entendi. So he is saying that he's always been very, a very busy person um, when he was younger, and he was, um, you know, playing with the blocos. He had to travel with them, but that, you know, he also was studying. He really wanted to get his degree. And so he was in school, um, you know, in university doing his degree. Um, he also had to do the mandatory military service, um, that, that they do in Brazil. So he was in the military. And so he, um, he had always to, you know, he's always had to balance a lot of thing activities. And so he sort of from a very early age learned how to, um, you know, sort of manage everything that he had to do. But at the same time, he also didn't really have much of a choice because, you know, he had things that he wanted to do, but he also had things, you know, he also had to earn money to, you know, bring to bring home to his family. He was living at the time with his mom, you know, he had to pay, for, you know, the, the things that, um, you know, he had to pay for. Um, so he had to find a way to make time to make, you know, to make money um, while he was a student. So, um, he says that you know he always, you know, learned his organizational techniques like writing things down, having an agenda, those kinds of tricks. But also, um, not sleeping a lot is one of the things that he does.
4: <laughs> Bom, a verdade é só uma coisa. É, é, na verdade, na verdade, na verdade, não consigo dar conta assim, muita coisa realmente. <laughs> Se eu, falar, se eu falasse que eu dou conta, assim, talvez eu estaria mentido. Assim. É muito difícil equilibrar. É... E tudo ficou um pouco mais difícil porque eu comecei a, a construir a minha família. Né? Então eu, a minha mãe é, com o dinheiro do carroçal de emoções, dos shows, das apresentações que eu fazia. É... Eu juntei um dinheiro e meu, realizei o meu grande sonho, que era tirar minha mãe daquela casinha. Desde quando a minha mãe chegou no Rio, né, que uma pessoa cedeu a casa pra gente falou: olha, vocês podem ficar uhum. aqui até, até vocês conseguirem um lugar melhor. Demorou 24 anos, enfim.
0: Uhum.
4: Demorou bastante tempo, mas eu fiquei muito feliz porque. Acho que todo o dinheiro que eu ganhava com esses shows de carro e outros trabalhos que eu fazia aqui na época, mais o quartel, enfim, é, juntei esse dinheiro para comprar uma casa para ela em Lumiar, que é na região Serrana. Então, é, é, foi muito importante. E eu fiquei um pouco mais tranquilo, assim, porque nessa correria ainda tinha minha mãe ali no meio e, enfim. E aí, quando a minha mãe conseguiu se segurar para minha mãe melhor, eu comecei a construir a minha própria família. Então, me apaixonei pela Viviane, que é uma dançarina incrível. Assim. Ela, ela também vive da arte, então tem uma história é, semelhante, né? tem uns caminhos semelhantes. E a gente teve um filho, o nome de Maurício, ele tem quatro anos agora. Então é realmente uma loucura os os da conta da da Maurícia, da de da minha família, da minha mãe, porque mesmo distante, né, a gente tem que cuidar e dos trabalhos que eu, que faça assim. Uh, um,
3: so, so he's saying that, you know, he he answered that he, you know, organizes himself well and all of that, but he says that he'd be lying if he said that he um, you know, always takes care of everything. Um, but, you know, even, you know, with the with doing the things that he was doing, playing in the blocos and, uh, you know, doing his military service, studying in school, um, the bloco that he talked about earlier, the funk, Cajosel uh, Gio with the money that he earned from playing shows and traveling and, and um, the money that he earned from that project, um, you know, he was able to, pulled together money to uh, buy his mom a house. And so he talked about, you know, or earlier he talked about, um, you know, how they had been given this house by a a stranger or, you know, sort of a good Samaritan. Uh, She had been living there for 24 years. And so, you know, he had the, the, you know, the Good Samaritan had said to them, you know, you can stay here as long as you need until you find a better place. And that better place was a house that he bought for her. So, um, well. yeah. So, and then, you know, so now she lives in Lumia, you know, as he mentioned, up in, in the state of of Rio. Um, and then um, he actually was, you know, even with <laughs> as busy as he is, he still was able to, um, have his, you know, have a family. He, his wife is um, an, also uh, an artist. She's a dancer, um, so they have very similar paths and stories. And and now they have a, a four year old together.
2: That's really beautiful. <laughs> um, so I believe last year was the first year he had paraded in carnival. Is that correct with Villa Isabel?
3: Você desfilou com Vila Isabel. O ano passado foi a primeira vez que você desfilou no carnaval?
4: É, a, minha história, a minha história com as escolas de samba começou em 2017, né? Eu disse que eu tinha ido na, na casa da Mangueira, foi a primeira hora que eu fui, mas eu só fui pra ver hum. mesmo, foi incrível, inclusive. Mas aí, de, depois, os anos correram, só bem depois, assim, talvez uns 5 anos depois, 2017, É, foi quando eu tive o contato, realmente, de, de participar de uma escola de samba. E tudo foi muito louco, assim, porque eu comecei a dar aula na... Fui convidado para ser um dos professores da escola de percussão na do Brasil, que é uma escola muito importante que a gente tem aqui no Rio, do estudo da percussão. E eu fui convidado para ser professor de chocalho lá. E aí... É... Eu fiquei muito feliz, inclusive, com o convite, né? porque é uma escola nossa, muito importante com pessoas que, as pessoas que eu sempre pesquisei e estudava estavam ali dando aula e eu estava ali também dando aula, enfim, foi, foi muito importante para mim. E aí, em uma das aulas, a Tayane Catanhede, que é diretora de Chocalho, foi diretora de de Chicalho da Estácio por, por muitos anos e atualmente é diretora de Chicago da Unidos de Vila Isabela, Ela foi na minha oficina lá na do Brasil de também um é assim, porque <risos> eu sempre pesquisei o trabalho dela é, e ter ela aí foi um, uma grande surpresa, assim, e, na verdade <risos> eu, ela tinha mais surpresas, assim, e uma das surpresas foi que ela É, me convidou para ir na escola de samba para conhecer mais de perto, eu fui morrendo de medo porque como eu disse a gente que é de bloco, a gente acha que é um lugar totalmente inacessível mas quando eu conheci a ala dela de Chocar enfim, foi meu primeiro contato e me apaixonei completamente também, o samba é, é muito mais do que Muitas pessoas pensam assim, ele às vezes é de diversas formas de, de desvalorizado, Eu pude entender quando comecei na Unidas de Vila Isabel, por condução da Tayane, comecei a entender um pouco melhor o que que realmente é o samba. E uh,
3: Tayane, como é o sobrenome dela?
4: Tayane Cantanhede. Cantanhede. Cantanhede.
3: Cantanhede. E difícil? ela <risos> né? <risos> para mesmo para uma pessoa que, sabe, não fala português muito bem. É, é muito não,
4: difícil. Mas é difi... é... Não, mas é difícil, mesmo. Eu, eu errei, eu errei, eu errei bastante <risos> até conseguir falar cantanhede. Falava catanhade, catanhade, catanhade. Cantanhede, é difícil.
3: Cantanhede. E ela tocava no ela no Estácio,
4: né? Era a escola dela? Isso, ela tocava no Estácio, mas quando ela me fez o convite Ela já estava como diretora de chocalho da Unidos de Vila Isabel E, e além da Unidos de Vila Isabel Ela também é diretora de chocalho de uma escola do acesso Que o nome é Acadêmicos do Sossego Então, hum. meu primeiro desfile foi na Acadêmicos do Sossego Que é uma escola de Niterói É, ela era diretora lá e ela falou: Ó, oh, pra você. T... Ela tá falando de uma forma engraçada, né? Ela falou: Ó, oh, pra você tirar a virgindade da, <risos> da avenida lá do desfile, lá dessa poca aí, desfilar primeiro na... nessa escola de acesso, que eu também sou diretora, para depois você desfilar mais tranquilo no dia do desfile da Vila Isabel. E aí eu desfilei primeiro na, <risos> na Acadêmicos do Sossego.
1: Yeah, she's amazing.
3: Cool. ela tá falando que que Tayani é é, muito, muito, que é ela, ela conhece.
4: Yeah. I don't
1: know her personally, but I've seen her like, at Vila Isabel, but she's a she's like what she does is really cool.
3: Ela não conhece pessoalmente, mas conhece o trabalho dela. É Como um, vocês
4: vierem no Rio, vou levar vocês para conhecer a Taiane.
3: Ah. <laughs> um, so he is saying that, you know, in two, 2012 was the first time that he went to uh, samba school that he mentioned Mangueira, but it was 5 years before he actually um, started playing, um, which came via another opportunity. He ended up uh, being a teacher um, at Maracatu Brasil, which is a, a school uh, that teaches um, Brazilian percussion and other instruments. Uh, Maracatu Brasil is a school la- in Laranjeiras, right? Yes, it is. So um, it's a school. It's, pretty, it's really well-known. It's in Laranjeiras in Rio. Um, and he was teaching chocalho there. And Dayani Kantanyeji, uh, who is actually <laughs> yes. a, a the director of um, shokalio at Vila Isabel. She's also the director. She was the director of Xocalho um, at um, Académicos do Sossego, which is a samba school in the uh, um, access group, right? And so not the special group of, of Carnival. Um, they're from Niteroi. And uh, so she actually invited him to play. Chocaglio, and um, so, you know, invited him to see Samba up close and really get to know, you know, you know, and he, you know, he thinks he really got a chance to see it from the inside. He says that you know, a lot of times people, um, you know, undervalue uh, what the Samba schools do, and so he felt like he really got to know um, the work that goes into um, creating Samba there. And so she invited him to play, and she actually invited him to to be in Carnival. But he, but she actually said to him um, that you know he should start with uh, with Academicos de Sosego. She, she actually said, you know, let's lo- let's have you lose your your sapucai virginity at Academicos <laughs> de Sostego, <laughs> so that then when you are when you go to Villa Isabel, you're you know you're a little more. Uh, you know, not so not so wet behind the ears and you're like more comfortable. Um, so that was sort of how he got introduced, uh, you know, to be part of the Sama schools.
2: I just want to know how that experience was for him.
3: Como foi a, a sua primeira experiência no Acadêmicos de, de Sossego? Como você sentiu se sentiu na, na Avenida? Como foi essa experiência? Um,
4: quando eu eu fiz questão de participar dos ensaios é, a, na, a essa altura do, do campeonato, né, quando ela me convidou para fazer parte tanto da Ladal Unidos de Vila Isabel quanto na, na, na Acadêmica de Sossego eu já tinha já bastante experiência já tocava, já há quase 10 anos já, apesar de ser um pouco diferente né a pegada do samba ali enfim eu já tocava e para mim foi tranquilo e só que eu não queria chegar só na hora lá para desfilar enfim é, eu queria fazer os ensaios certinhos então eu ia nos ensaios semanais para aprender as coisas certinho fazer tudo certinho eu queria realmente fazer parte, conhecer também a história da escola, acho que é muito importante. É, eu vejo que algumas pessoas vão, tocam e vão embora, não conhecem a escola, não, não conhecem a história da escola, eu queria estar ali mais próximo, realmente conhecer é, a raiz né, da escola. Então, é, eu fiz esse processo, então até que foi um pouco mais tranquilo. Só que no dia né, é outra coisa, quando você escolhe, você Tá ali no box esperando pra começar o desfile, né? A pessoa ouve aquela sirene. É uma sirene que toca, né? avisando que o desfile vai começar e que a gente se caga nas calças, começa a se mijar. A gente fica desesperado, fala socorro, Jesus Cristo, acabou, meu Deus. Tá, então... Apesar de todas as experiências, de já ter rodado o mundo, de ter subido em diversas de ter feito milhões de coisas, foi uma sensação totalmente diferente e que eu estava morrendo de medo de errar qualquer coisa, porque uma cobrança muito grande, né? É, é, as escolas de samba no Rio são tratadas como uma religião, assim uma coisa realmente muito forte. A galera, quando está disputando É, 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 é como se fosse aquilo que eu disse, né, da gente representar nossos ancestrais, assim então eu sinto muito isso cada escola que entra ali na avenida tá representando um monte de gente que veio antes daquela galera que tá ali na avenida, né? então é uma responsabilidade muito grande, assim que dá muito medo, assim, mas depois, né, que nem a Thayne diz, depois perder a virgindade <risos> foi... Uh, the um mas... so um so he's
3: saying that um originally when he was asked to be part of it, he really wanted to be part of the process of learning, and so he wanted to go week to the weekly rehearsals. Um, you know, despite the fact that at that point he'd been playing Chocalio for 10 years and you know, taught. At, you know, been a, a chocadio teacher, um, he wanted to really have the experience of being part of the school and learning about the school and get to know the people there and learn about the school's history. Um, you know, he says that some people just show up, play and leave, and they don't really get to know um, anything about the school that they're they're a part of. And so he felt that he really wanted to be part of that. He says in terms of how he felt there on the on the actual day um, you know he says that you know he's played on many stages he's played you know as he mentioned he's played around the world um, but when he heard that siren that you know that makes the noise that alerts people to the fact that the that your parade is about to begin um, you know he says everybody everybody poops themselves. <laughs> And it doesn't matter how much experience you have. It's, you know, the fear really gets you because, you know, it's not just about getting, you know, obviously you're afraid of getting things wrong. And even though you've studied, you're afraid of getting things wrong because there is such this, there's such a seriousness, um, obviously to the competition and you don't want to get it wrong. And, um, so it's a big responsibility, but then also, um, you know, it's, it's almost like the schools are treated as a it's almost it's almost a religious experience because you're not just there representing yourself. You're representing the history of the school. And, you know, like he was talking about his history with his ancestors, you're representing, a, you know, all of those people that came before you in the school. So um, so he said that, you know, after that, obviously, you know, in the moment. He's always gonna be nervous playing at a sama school, but you know that first experience you know it it was you know he he said that it was um like as tayani mentioned, he lost his virginity and now he can you know <laughs> and then after that he was able to move forward in a more uh confident way
1: <laughs> um can he tell us about um his uh company with the shakers?
3: Conta pra gente um pouco sobre os seus instrumentos, os instrumentos que você faz.
4: Perfeito. Bom, quando eu comecei a dar, quando eu fui convidado né, para ser professor na Maraca do Brasil, eu eu quis passar para os alunos todo o conhecimento que eu já tinha e mais um pouco. Então comecei a pesquisar mais ainda sobre o Chicago. E eu vi que era um instrumento que ainda era muito desvalorizado, assim, era, era deixado de lado, assim. Então, os outros instrumentos, a grande maioria dos blocos, os outros instrumentos, os outros naipes, com dois diretores, três diretores, né, três pessoas ali passando, às vezes, bicho e isso ninguém, assim. Então, era uma coisa assustadora, assim, porque é um instrumento super importante e que... Estavam cagando pra ele, assim. Na Mangueira, inclusive, quando eu fui na época, acho que me engano, foi 2014, não tinha diretor de chucalho. A Mangueira foi ter diretor de chucalho uh, um ano e meio atrás, quando o Marquinhos.
0: Uhum.
4: É, Marquinhos, né, saiu do Salgueiro, o diretor do Salgueiro saiu do Salgueiro e foi, e foi pra Mangueira, assim. Marquinhos, meu amigo, eu fiquei muito feliz. Eu falei, porra, aleluia, né, porra. <risos> A Mangueira, que na escola, que tem toda uma história, né? um dos berços do samba. E não tinha ninguém ali para olhar pelo chocalho. Então, eu vi que uma, alguma coisa precisaria acontecer para que o chocalho fosse mais valorizado, assim. Então, comecei a fazer um monte de coisas para tentar puxar essa ideia na cabeça dessas pessoas, assim. E aí eu criei até o bordão, né? Que aí que veio o bordão. E, na verdade, eu fiz em parceria com um amigo chamado Leon, que ele também toca Chucalho, Ele falava assim, qual foi, cara? Chocalho não é bagunça, não. Tem que valorizar. Chocalho não é bagunça, não. E aí, daí que veio o bordão. Eu até falei, ó, oh, Chocalho não é bagunça. Chocalho não é bagunça e ficou. Chocalho não é bagunça. Então, eu comecei a, a doutrinar as pessoas, né? Falar, galera, Chocalho não é bagunça. Vamos respeitar o Chocalho. Bom, e aí uma das formas de valorizar é o chocalho, como na época eu já estava sendo reconhecido como uma das referências do instrumento eu resolvi fazer o meu próprio chocalho. Assim. E aí eu comecei a experimentar algumas coisas. E... Eu estou falando pra caramba, é... <risos> Não, não,
3: tá tudo bem. Está
0: tudo
4: bem? Mas eu posso,
3: eu posso... Sim, mas eu posso... É... Interpretar agora e aí você continua, tá? Okay.
0: Um,
3: so he was saying that uh, when he was invited to be the teacher at Maracatu, Brazil, he really started to learn and research more about the Xocalho. He felt like he really wanted to have as much knowledge as he could to pass along to his students. Um and he really realized that, you know, um, even you know in his scholars in Saba schools, even, um, so the sections of instruments are, you know, almost every other instrument is valued more than the shokalio. Um, you know, the other sections, which they call naip- naipis, um, like uh, hipiki, kaisha, all the other, other sectionals, uh, sectional sections of instruments have two, three, four directors Um during the parades right and during the rehearsals to organize everybody um and sometimes there are some schools where there isn't even a director of chocalio um, and so like for example mangueda didn't have a shokalio director until last year when his friend marquinhos um went to become the chocalio director at Manguera. so um he really wanted to Push this idea that shokalio is not, you know, is 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 as important as the other instruments. And so he had a friend named Leon who um, he worked with. To you know, he used to say shokalio uh, isn't is isn't, isn't a mess. The word bagunsa translates into mess, but it's not. You know, it's it's almost saying like it's not something to mess around with. It's something serious. And so he started to take, you know, started to push this idea that, you know, it's the shokalios Serious is not something to mess around with. And that's when he decided to create his company um, and focus on creating instruments, shokalios uh, too.
1: I thought it was only shokayos. I thought it was... Yeah,
3: that's right. Yeah, it is only shokalios.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, the yeah.
2: the cl- clear acrylic ones, yeah. And it's called a uh, Ganzanza, right?
4: meu yes. produto <risos> perfeito perfeito um, isso é, e aí eu, eu, eu senti essa vontade de fazer meu próprio chucalho na trapilhinha de chucalhos e eu queria que fosse uma coisa que eu fizesse com as minhas próprias mãos assim então eu comecei a testar materiais Eu queria fazer uma coisa totalmente diferente, exatamente para despertar é, essa valorização do chocalho. E aí eu resolvi fazer um chocalho transparente. A primeira ideia que eu tive foi fazer um de vidro, que não deu certo, claro.
0: <risos> <risos> Mas
4: depois eu conheci o acrílico, né? O material acrílico. E resolvi fazer esse chocalho de acrílico transparente, um ganzá de acrílico com as emissões das coloridas. E aí eu queria colocar um nome que fosse fácil de encontrar, que tivesse identidade, assim, enfim, e fosse um instrumento diferenciado mesmo, então, quando esse nome, Gunzanzah, é até um pouquinho difícil, mas que dá certo, porque quando a pessoa entra no Google e joga Gunzanzah, aparece lá na hora, lá. É, e Só que daí, uma coisa que era para ser até uma brincadeira, acabou crescendo, 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 e aí... Eu tive que criar uma empresa mesmo de fabricação de chucalhos. E, e aí criei a Chico Chucalho, né, que é uma empresa que fabrica chucalhos. Hoje a gente fabrica, além do ganzanzá, que é esse transparente, a gente está fazendo o, o chucalho de madeira, o rocar, né, que é o de platinela A gente está fazendo o ganzá de alumínio, o... o comum mesmo, né, o chucalho comum de cilindro, de alumínio, e tem mais alguns modelos loucos lá que eu estou inventando, tem um modelo que é um ganzá quadrado, né, o ganzá box, que hum. é um ganzá quadrado, que ele tem dupla sonoridade quando você toca de um lado, ele tem um som grave quando toca do outro, ele tem um som agudo, enfim. Eu estou tentando criar uma série de chucalhos diferentes um uh, so he started to you know
3: as as part of a way to um really help the public know about the about the chocalho and sort of value it and and have musicians also value it he um, designed the Gunsanza, which is a transparent chocalho. So if you see it on YouTube, it's like a it's a cylinder. It's made of acrylic, um, and then the little pieces inside that make the sound are different colors. Um, and so he started with that, um, and he wanted to have a name for it that would be really easy to find on Google. And so ganzanza gun, gun was super easy for people to find. Um, and it started just growing and growing and growing, and so he ended up having to create his own little, com- you know, his own company uh, slash factory to produce um, all of these, uh, to produce more chocallos. And so he started with that, you know, the this, the acrylic one, and now he they also create, um, you know, he began his company called Chico Chocallo, um, where they also produce the hoca, which is the the traditional one with the wood um the gunza the aluminum one that's like a cylinder that you see um and he's also creating his own um his own models one is uh that he's he's created as the gunza box um which is a square that has like a different sounds on on each side one is like a a higher sound and one's like a lower sound um so those are just things that he's working on now so he's constantly thinking of of new ideas to really help push the idea that shokayo is a you know a worthy instrument and worthy of of uh innovation and learning.
1: And if anybody's listening and they haven't seen kind of the next level Shokayu, like this isn't kind <laughs> of what the sort of the traditional um like the way the way he plays and the way um people are playing in Sama schools now are, is, is totally different. And there's, there's almost like dance involved in it. And there's a lot more to it than... Like
2: the choreography.
1: There's choreography and there's a lot more different rhythms that they're doing. And it's, it's, yeah, he's right. It's changing and it's, it's, it's getting super cool. And his, um, his shakers, he played when I took a class with him and um, when I was there a couple years ago and when he shakes one of those acrylic ones in front of your, like in front of you, it it's almost like you're tr- you're like feel like you're tripping on acid for a second. <risos> and just like, not that I've ever done that, but you're just like, oh my, wow, like what's happening? It's really, it's super cool. Uh, ela está falando de, sobre a
3: experiência dela de uh, de ver você tocar um, o, o Ganzanza né? O, porque ela falou que foi uma experiência diferente de ver. É, como você toca, ver talvez o movimento. Parece que ela falou que ela estava meio doida, né, vendo você tocar <risos> esse instrumento. E então ela está também passando para a audiência de entrar no YouTube para ver, porque eu, eu, eu hoje eu vi o, o vídeo que você fez com a Thalita e vi o Ganzanzá e eu achei super massa. Eu vou comprar um quando eu for, for para lá, eu vou ser um cliente seu, porque é muito legal, muito interessante. Me too.
4: É, como eu disse, a cor meio maravilhosa, meu Deus. É, mas, como eu disse, era para ser uma brincadeira, assim mas o gazanza eu hoje vendi eu acho que mais de 200 unidades e para o mundo todo assim tem gazanza no Canadá tem gazanza nos Estados Unidos tem gazanza na Europa na Austrália enfim gazanza está pelo mundo todo e eu fico muito feliz assim porque além de estar valorizando esse instrumento que é como eu disse um dos objetivos principais é além de estar me dando também mais uma fonte de renda, que para mim é sempre muito importante, é, eu fico muito feliz porque ele traz alegria para as pessoas. né? Todo mundo que toca o Gandalá costuma ter essa mesma sensação que a Courtney teve. Assim, então eu sempre fico muito feliz que é, funcionou, né? Deu certo. Assim, <risos> É, eu me lembro também a primeira vez que eu dei o Chicago para minha mãe ver, foi uma, uma coisa muito emocionante, porque é como se eu. É, é, não sei, talvez, mas eu acho que nem minha mãe imaginou que eu poderia é, me tornar o a, a, a músico que eu sou hoje, né? A, o profissional da música que eu sou hoje. Então, quando eu entreguei para ela, eu entreguei com muito carinho, como se eu tivesse. De alguma forma, agradecendo por tudo, assim, porque acho que se não fosse ela ter me colocado obrigatoriamente para fazer aula de flauta e violão, é, talvez eu não estaria ali empreendendo para ela, assim, então, é, é isso, assim, e eu, eu, apesar de ser uma, agora uma empresa, né, eu falo que é uma empresa porque, enfim, é uma empresa, mas... Eu faço questão de fazer cada instrumento, eu faço com muito carinho assim, eu sou chato para caramba com o som, então eu fico ali para que tenha um som que seja so he says that um
3: you know he's really happy that something that you know he he said it, it was almost like a a joke when when he was thinking about creating this. He, or maybe he didn't take it as seriously. And then you know the way that it's turned out, um, he's actually sold a, like over two hundred units all around the world. So Canada, you know, it's it's gone to other places. And so he says that he loves the fact that he can combine you know this business venture that he has and you know that is a source of income right for that he needs but that also makes people happy and so he says that you know when he first took um when he made his you know the 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 and he took it to his mom um it's you know it, it was he took it with a lot of of uh love to her because you know, it was almost like she probably couldn't even have imagined that he would turn into this, you know, professional who now actually has a company that makes instruments. And and he says that he calls it a, you know, it was almost like it was like a, a, a gift of gratitude to her because, you know, it wouldn't have been possible without everything that she did um, in, you know, making sure that he was in those programs and studied music and all of that stuff. And then, um, you know, he talks about it, it as a company, you know, and but he... He is part of the manufacturing process because he is a perfectionist in terms of how it sounds. He wants people to have you know that receive the instrument to love the sound that comes out of it and also the visual right He wants it to look you know pretty and to have the effect on people that it had on you courtney so um so he's really happy that he can combine you know these sort of this creation to um, you know not only make a living but also make people happy and um, really uh, highlight the instrument.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a really cool experience to see
4: é, queria só falar mais uma coisa importante, a Thalita Santos, né, que você falou, uh-huh. era uma pessoa muito importante porque é, antigamente, como eu disse, eu não, não ia nas escolas de samba, assim, eu não conhecia o samba de perto. Então, E tudo, todo o meu conhecimento se dava através dos vídeos que a Thalita fazia no YouTube, divulgando não somente o trabalho dela, mas divulgando o trabalho das escolas de Santos. Então eu sempre assisti a Thalita Santos no YouTube. E quando eu comecei a dar aula na Maraca do Brasil, a gente se esbarrou lá, porque ela também estava dando aula lá. E foi um encontro muito feliz, assim, ela falou, caraca, eu te conheço, eu falei, ah, também te conheço e tal, porque na, naquela altura, eu, enfim, eu já estava ficando conhecido por conta desse, desse meu trabalho com a Chucayla, da minha pesquisa, e ela também, enfim, é ícone aqui, no, no Brasil no mundo também, acho que, que a telita é, é muito importante para a divulgação da nossa cultura, eu fiquei muito feliz, e ela falou que, ela estava começando é, um novo quadro é, no YouTube dela, no, no canal do YouTube dela, que ela queria que eu fosse lá e que ela queria, inclusive, fazer um encontro com o Marquinhos, que a gente também já se conhecia, já se falava, uhum. mas só online, assim, a gente não se conhecia, vivo. Então, a Thalita é, queria que eu fosse lá para mostrar o Chocalho, falar um pouco sobre o Dan Zanzá, mas também tinha esse objetivo de, eu e o Marquinhos, a gente se encontrar pessoalmente, que a gente se, se conversava É, de forma online então a Thalita foi uma pessoa muito importante antes mesmo de eu conhecê-la né, eu sou muito grato assim, a, 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 ao que ela representa, não só pra mim, mas pra todo mundo, a música ela é maravilhosa uhum. e para essa força que ela deu porque quando eu fui lá no programa e perguntei mas, ah, acho que ganhou uma repercussão muito grande assim, também ajudou a vender mais o a expandir mais a minha marca então eu sou muito grato por isso
3: Uh, So he was saying that, you know, before he even, you know, one of his first touch points with the instruments of samba was through learning through online through Talita, even before he, Talita Santos, who has been interviewed on the podcast before, but, um, you know, he would watch her videos. So he knew of her and of her work to really... um, bring samba to the forefront and so he was teaching at maracatu brazil and so was and so was she and so they met and um sort of it was this connection of like oh i know you from online and he's like and she said to him well i know you you know from your playing too so they sort of knew each other of each other and admired each other and then they finally got to meet and so um she really credits um her he really credits her with, um, helping sort of open his market with the guns because she invited him and Marquinhos to be on the channel and on the YouTube channel and talk about the guns and and feature his instrument. Um, and so she, so he's really happy and, and grateful to her, not only for, you know, what she's done for Samba and music and what she represents in terms of Samba learning, especially online. Um, but he but Talita really helped him um, open up that market, open up or expand his market by featuring the guns on her channel.
1: Yeah, that's very cool. I have I have a kind of a final as we as we kind of wrap up here, I have kind of a final statement and a question. And the first is. Um, when I took his, he has a um, shokayu class. At least when I was there a couple years ago, that happens every. Uh, it was like every Saturday, Saturday or something, yeah. but um, it was one of the most fun classes I've ever had, and it and it was a class, like, you, you show up, and he makes you a shokayu, You get to choose the colors of the beads that you put inside, and he, like, makes you a shokayu that you can take home, and he um, takes a minute to draw a little face on it for you. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then um, it was almost like, not just, you know, technique, and here's the rhythms, and here's, you know, kind of how to play different things. It was almost almost like an improvisational class as well, and kind of, it was really 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 a wonderful class i encourage everybody to take um his class to go to it if you ever go to rio and then also i'm curious how he's dealing with pandemic and um with covid shutdown and is he teaching classes online that um, people need to be need to know about
3: uh, ela tá falando que um tá falando pra audiência que eles deveriam de um, Assistir a sua aula, né? Ir para a sua aula que ela foi uh, conhecer, que onde você faz aula de chocalho nos sábados, e aí você ensina e também é, você faz um, um chocalho, um ganzanzá, um chocalho para as pessoas que vão para essa aula. Uh, então, tá falando para a audiência aí, ir e para essa aula que ela gostou muito, que foi. Não, não sou técnica, mas também um pouco de improvisação. Ah, mas ela quer saber se o que você está fazendo agora que a gente está, sabe, tem a pandemia e tem o coronavírus, o que você está fazendo, está dando aulas online e se você é, como você, você está sendo impactado pela pandemia e, e como você está fazendo se você está fazendo aulas.
4: Perfeito. Bom, eu queria... Primeiro dizer que ela é uma aluna maravilhosa, assim, eu gostei muito de receber a visita dela nas oficinas que ela participou. É, e, bom, eu, a minha aula, eu, independente de onde seja, como ela seja, eu tento passar, assim, bastante informação. É, eu, às vezes, até me pergunto se isso é bom ou não, mas, enfim, é minha metodologia, mas eu gosto de passar bastante coisa, principalmente das das referências de tudo que eu já fiz assim. e sempre tem um improviso no meio, sempre tento colocar um passinho também, são coisas que eu faço mesmo, assim, eu acho que o chocalho a gente sempre fica livre para se movimentar, então sempre tento passar um pouco disso, né? E até durante as oficinas também, é, muitos alunos não têm chocalho, assim. Então, sempre tento de levar algumas garrafas pet assim, então a gente faz uma coisa meio reciclável ali com garrafa pet e tal, para quem não tem chocalho poder participar. Durante muitos anos eu não tinha condições de comprar instrumento de ter o próprio instrumento, então todo projeto que eu faço, que eu... E que eu estou de frente, eu tento fazer alguma forma para que as oficinas sejam tem uma inclusão, né? Que o aluno possa participar independente. Ah, não sei tocar, Chico. Pode vir, pode fazer aula. Ah, Chico, eu não tem instrumento. Pode vir, que a gente faz instrumento na hora. Então eu sempre busquei maneiras de, de que as oficinas e as aulas que eu faço sejam tem first inclusão, né, stop said uh
3: it was really nice to have you in class, Courtney. He said that you're marvelous and um he said that he that he said that he does love to pass as much information as possible. Um, you know, sometimes he wonders if that's good or bad because it can overwhelm students. But um, you know, he really likes to just have as much uh, information for the students that go there. Um, you know, he also you know wanted to point out that you know for him it's so important to. Um, make sure that it's the his classes that he gives are accessible to students because he knows how, you know, when he was younger and he didn't have access to instruments. So, you know, he tries to be creative in terms of ensuring that students um, have access to instruments. If he has to make, you know, shokalios, um out of a plastic bottle, he'll do that. Um, and he also, not only accessibility in terms of having the resources and an instrument to play, um, but also not being afraid if they don't know, um, you know, if they're not confident about their playing, if they don't know anything about it. He he welcomes people of of all levels to really get to know the shakaloo. Já que você está fazendo aulas uh, online, já que sabe as pessoas não estão se reunindo, não sei, a gente não sabe como está impactando a a pandemia lá no Rio de Janeiro, mas. Um, so he's so he's saying that yes um you know brazil has obviously also been affected by um by the pandemic and he says that um In Brazil, they have almost an added difficulty because of the political situation, which we mentioned to him that we're very much in similar (laughs) straits. Because, you know, on the one hand, there's the experts and everybody that's saying stay home. You know, that's really the only way to contain this because it's it's killing a lot of people. And um, so there's, you know, so he's been at home since the very beginning of the, you know, of the advice to stay home. Uh, But then there's the political situation that's, you know, almost uh, encouraging people to go on the street and go out and live a normal life. And so he says that that's a very, um, you know, difficult situation, and confusing situation for a lot of people. Um, And he said that, you know, he's had to deal with the realities of of what that means for his work. Last year, he started um, his own bloco, which was a dream of his. Um he started Nosobloco and um he said that at the beginning it was like super hard. He even thought of giving up. Um, but he didn't. And and in the end, they ended up parading uh with 50 percussion students. And so he was ready to start 2020 with like, you know, a lot of energy to keep his project moving. And so now it's sort of everything's on hold. So yes, you know, he's been affected, but uh, you know, like everybody else, it's sort of like a a uncertain time and, you know, a difficult time to figure out when things are going to start getting back to normal. Mm -hmm. Um, So he's saying that, um, you know, artists, especially musical artists in Brazil, have really been impacted. Um, You know, they can't do shows, they can't do classes and that kind of thing. So Um, He's saying that, you know, like everybody else, they've taken, um, you know, their classes to the to the digital world. And so Maracatu Brazil, um, where he's the Chicago teacher, will have um, will start um, is creating an online platform to do online classes and they will start next week. Um, He's also working on his own, um, you know, way to. to have classes um, for the bloco and to keep that going. But, you know, he says that it's, it's still very complicated just because, you know, this sort of caught everybody by surprise. And so the things that, you know, they were, you know, they weren't super prepared to to take everything online in that at that speed. And so he feels like he doesn't have all the resources that he might've prepared had he, you know, had he seen, you know, had any, every, anybody seen this coming. And so, you know, it's a lot of improvisation to be able to do those classes online. And, you know, what compounds the situation is the fact that the government doesn't really care about culture. They're not really, you know, super interested in in helping uh, maintain, you know, music and and culture. Um, He says that, you know, the one, you know, that he personally doesn't, he prefers to do in-person classes because he likes the proximity of having students and being able to, you know, be in the, you know, in the same room and that kind of thing, but that, you know, at the same time, he feels like art and performance has been an escape valve for everybody during this time. And so, you know, he feels like, the mu- musicians in Brazil and, and Rio are really united in terms of making sure that not only does the music help them sort of overcome and not go crazy, but it also helps the people who are watching also, you know, sort of forget about what's going on. And so,
0: mm-hmm.
3: um, you know, he thinks that art has been sort of a a, a high point um, with all of this going on.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for um, taking the time to meet with us. I know we had a lot of back and forth and (laughs) trouble making it happen, but uh, we really appreciate your energy, your time, everything you've done, um, you know, what you bring to, um, to the world. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on.
3: Ela falou que muito obrigada, a gente sabe que foi um pouco difícil com a tecnologia, sabe, fazer tudo isso, mas que a gente está, estamos muito gratos de que você decidiu fazer essa entrevista com a gente e, e passar esse tempo com a gente. Um, so he's, he says thank you and that he was happy that we could finally make it happen because he did, you know, he knows that the invite was, you know, came a while ago,
2: long time and, ago, you know,
3: <laughs> and, you know, we, we weren't able to make it happen in, in real, uh, just because of his, you know his schedule, but, um, that he's really happy that he was invited and that he thought it was really important to participate, especially since the work that you guys do with the podcast is also part of the art that. Is helping save everybody during this pandemic. So,
1: oh, thanks.
2: We appreciate his story and and uh, just yeah. <laughs> Sorry. E
3: obrigada por 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 compartilhar a sua história com a gente também, que foi muito emocionante.
1: All right, well, we hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Thank you for listening. If you want to learn more about Francisco, you can go to our website, thebrazilianbeat.com, uh, I think forward slash Francisco Machado, and uh, you will see his uh, all his links to all his social media and all his classes and all the information and all the projects he's involved with. And uh, yeah, go check him out.
2: Yeah, and Courtney, I think he has uh, a TikTok <laughs> page. <laughs> Oh, yeah, he does. You call it. He does TikToks. <laughs> They're very cute. So I don't do them, but they are. Francisco does. So go check out his TikToks.
1: <laughs> and then shout outs today to Sylvia. You're right here. <laughs> Thank you, Sylvia. No problem. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me be part of this. Also, another shout out is to um, Rob Akari, who we had on. Couple of, yeah, a couple of episodes ago. Yeah, with Bloco 3K, he's been putting on workshops with um, different people from Hoshinya and uh, they've been really, really fun and really, really good. So all the proceeds from those workshops went to the community in hoshina and he had people on from all around the world. It was a really fun Zoom to meet everyone, and everyone, from just all, uh, people from all over the world, literally, were on there um, taking
2: and you saw our friend Tony from the Philippines, right?
1: Yep, Tony. Episode 15, maybe? Something like that? Yeah, she was there.
2: Rob uh, was episode
1: 65. Ah, episode 65. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tony had the best background. She had this like crazy tie-dye really background. <laughs> Way cooler. She got the award. Way cooler than anybody else. Um,
2: not a shout-out, but I just wanted to mention that... Um, the Perkuman workshops are going to be happening in the next couple weeks. They're out of Spain. Um, they usually do a huge, huge, huge workshop in Spain. and A lot of the teachers go there, um, a lot of them that we've interviewed. But, of course, that's not going to happen. So they're doing an online workshop this year. So if you're interested, um, we'll be posting um, updates on the classes
1: on Facebook. I saw Adriana Portela is going to be there. Right, exactly. Another one a lot awesome. of our guests. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it mostly, is Parkoman mostly Samba Hegi?
2: Mm, that could be. I mean, I know that the scene is really big in Spain, but I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Do you guys like us? <laughs> <laughs> we like each other and we like you, but if you guys like us, please tell your friends. Just email your friends, forward them this episode or another episode that you like, and tell them about the Brazilian beat. We would love that. Yeah, we're here. We're down. (laughs) (laughs) Diana's posting a bunch of stuff on uh, social media, Facebook and Instagram. Um, We would love to learn about your group's existence. If we don't know about you guys, send us a video of your group or just get in touch and say hello. Oh, yeah, and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Yes, please do that. You want to say anything else, Sylvia? Yeah, I
3: think I would just, uh, you know, as we mentioned the state of the country is is very uh, very much sensitive right now. So, if there's something that you can do, um, please go to BlackLivesMatter.com or other resources in your in your city. Um, your help doesn't have to be monetary; it can be organizing. As simple as texting to uh, texting to get the vote out. Um, There's so many little things that you can do. You can even, you know, there are search engines that will tell you who your rep and senator are, so you can call them and tell them what you Mm -hmm. what they should do. Um, It only takes you know two to five minutes
1: of your day to try and make some change. So we encourage everybody to do that. Yeah, that's a very good thing. And support black-owned businesses if you, you know if you can.
2: And wear a mask. Be safe. Yes. If you're out there protesting, please yeah. uh, take care of yourselves.
1: So you can find more about this podcast, thebrazilianbeat.com. Please email us if you have suggestions of guests that you would like to see on the podcast at thebrazilianbeat at gmail.com. Uh, Twitter, Diana's on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, posting all kinds of things. So um, find us on those platforms and learn more. And thanks for listening.